901. Well, if anybody missed me almost falling down there, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> want to echo Brother Justin's welcome to the service this evening. Appreciate you being here. <clears throat> I really, uh, I really do like the content of this chapter. I think this is a uh, this is an interesting one to study and speak on, and I'm looking forward to our lesson tonight. <clears throat> Could you tell me that song again? I'm worried about falling down. 901. 901, thank you. <clears throat> um, as Brother Justin said, we're studying Romans chapter 14 tonight. And a couple of weeks ago, he led us in the study of chapter 13, where Paul gave direction concerning being submissive to authority, obeying local laws, things of that nature, uh, concerning our behavior, teaching us to put on Christ so that we love our neighbor and fulfill his commands. And those are really huge topics, a lot of meat to chew on just for one chapter. And uh, for the sake of making a pun, uh, speaking of meat to chew on, <laughs> Paul pivots in chapter 14 to a subject that, that on the surface it seems less important. And he spends most of this chapter talking about food, but I don't want that to deceive you because it's, it's really not about food. It's always about Jesus. <clears throat> uh, so beginning here, verse 1. Paul writes, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. For who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. <clears throat> now, let's take a minute here to talk about barbecue. I'm just kidding. I want to make sure I had your attention, because that would have worked on me. What this is really about is a difference of opinion. And as modern-day Christians, we're all pretty comfortable with the fact that we're not forbidden to eat these particular things that they were worried about. And I'm going to cite some scripture supporting that and how we can eat that stuff. That's not really the point, but we're going to cover that. But members of Christ's newly established church in this day were still getting used to it, especially the Jewish converts. Some of them embraced it, and others thought it best to keep some old traditions, and, and perhaps they even thought that they'd be defiling themselves by eating these certain foods despite what they'd been told. But they were Christians. They were redeemed. They believed on Jesus and his salvation, but just to play it safe, maybe some were holding on to aspects of the old law. It was their opinion that it's better to not eat those things. <clears throat> now, before we talk about this difference of opinion regarding food and some other things, we need to keep in mind that we are not talking about a different viewpoint in terms of matters of faith. So case in point, I want to read uh, what Paul wrote in Galatians 1 here, verses 6 through 9. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, 
But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Cursed meaning excommunicated. If, if anybody comes and wants to tweak it, tweak the message a little bit, even from within, they're out. They are messing with the perfect gospel. It says in verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. That's a stark contrast between what we read here and Paul's stance on this difference of opinion. <clears throat> so twisting the gospel and then somebody not being sure if they should eat, those are not the same thing and they're not treated the same. In this chapter, it's about those differences of opinion and it's about being accepting and not judging. So before we move on, it's important to understand why these opinions are being related to being weak or strong in the faith. Um, Paul referred to the ones um, who refused to eat meat as the weaker. Now, I imagine that these people considered themselves to be stronger in the faith. So they would accept the gospel, plus they would reject those foods that they knew to be forbidden before Christ came and rendered the old law dead. Paul is saying that if your faith is strong in Jesus, then you have the faith needed to, to be able to eat something that you know before that you shouldn't have. But now you know that you can eat it and you're still safely redeemed by Jesus, making the case for the stronger faith of believing that you can eat anything. Uh, let's look at Timothy 1. Uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy, sorry, chapter 4, verse 1. <coughs> it says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So being told to abstain from foods is being lumped together here with being forbidden to marry, speaking lies, having a seared conscience, giving heed to deceiving spirits of doctrines and demons. All right, okay, I get it. Pass the bacon. The strong in the faith can eat freely, knowing the food is sanctified or made pure by the word of God and prayer. All right, so Paul is making that case in our text in Romans 14, and Paul is talking to Timothy here, giving this instruction. So let's look to another one. In, in Acts 10, we hear from Luke's writing of a vision that Peter had. Now, the context of this chapter is interesting, and it's clear that the food is acceptable, but Peter also understands it to be a little bit more broadly applicable talking about uh, people. But anyway, Acts 10 um, back up a little bit to, to verse 9, and it says, The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, about lunchtime. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now there's plenty more scriptures to cite to show us that we can eat these things. But we need to return to our text. I just wanted to cover that perspective. 
So I think maybe you got all of you on Team Barbecue. You believe the vegetarians are weaker in the faith. Okay, great. That's not the point. The point is that we can't stand righteous on our own accord. It's God that makes us stand. So why would we bicker over food? Well, we shouldn't. But remember how big of a deal it was to eat together then. You can't just say, I'm tired, let's order a pizza. The meals were a big deal, and this difference of opinion may have been really shaking some of these new Christians. They needed to be strong in unity. A Christian can be wrong about something, and they still need to have fellowship of their brethren. They, they're entitled to that full fellowship because who are we to judge when God judges us all? <clears throat> we are to receive one who is weak, not to dispute over doubtful things, not to despise, not to judge because God is able to make him stand. Another point of dispute, right, so we'll kind of put a pin in that food thing, but another point of dispute was apparently certain days. And we're talking about holidays, Jewish religions, uh, Jewish traditions, holy days for them. The Jewish Christians observed Sabbath and all these, these festivals since they were little kids. And they still seemed special or more holy to them. Uh, verse 5, it says, one person esteems one day above another. Another person esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. <clears throat> Typical Paul, a little bit wordy there, but those who were observing the Passover and these other certain days, they were doing that to the Lord. They were believing Christians and they were doing what they thought was best in their own conscience. Those who were not observing these days either because they were converted Gentiles who maybe never had the tradition, or maybe if they did have the tradition, their faith is, is strong enough that they can drop that and be comfortable in that. <clears throat> Again, acting towards the Lord either way. It's just like the topic of food. If you avoid it to the Lord, thinking that's pleasing to the Lord, and you're giving thanks, or if you eat it to the Lord and you give thanks either way, it's to the Lord. You're, you're doing it in good conscience. The key takeaway here is that in these matters that are basically indifferent, they're fine either way, Christians should follow their conscience and serve the Lord. Verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So you can eat the meat, or you can not eat the meat. You can observe the Passover, or not. As long as you're living for God, and as long as you're following Jesus, you will be his. Christ has taken care of it. He's redeemed you. As it says there in verse 9, for to this end, it's... It's, this is why he died on the cross, defeated sin, rose again, so that we can be his. <clears throat> so, to let these things that are somewhat irrelevant differences of opinion get between us is a shame. It won't change anything regarding the salvation of others, so avoid judging, showing contempt, because we're, we're not worthy to judge anyway. 
we're all the subject of the Lord's perfect and righteous judgment. So whatever a man does or however he lives, it's his relationship to the Lord that determines it all. Not such things as eating or not eating, observing days or not observing days, but life itself is sustained in a holy sense of belonging, not to yourself, but to the Lord. As it says in verse 11, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Verse 12, So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So Paul sums it up to say that we're going to be judged by God. These petty differences need to be resolved. We cannot let any of these things cause anyone to fall. Verse 14 says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him, it is unclean. Paul knows the food is fine. But if another thinks it's unclean, then to them it is unclean. If you feel like something is a sin, even if everybody else is sure that it's not, then you're sinning if you do it. The power of conscience can make an innocent act wrong. Verse 15, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one whom Christ died, the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Now, it's definitely a little tough for us to imagine anyone who would be so upset that they'd be considered grieved over what you're eating. And it's even harder to understand that we could destroy with our food the one whom Christ died. But again, keep in mind how important these traditions were to the Jews and how rubbing it in their face that it's irrelevant that they're abstaining from these things or observing these days or whatever it may be, and you're just going to enjoy your barbecue regardless of, of how they feel, well, that might actually drive them away from the church and they'd be, end up lost forever. And if that's hard to wrap your mind around, that's understandable because that's not the world we live in. But consider something else besides food because if the food is, is the topic of the day there, but it's the difference of opinion and it's the division amongst people and, and the intolerance and unacceptance is a problem. We have differences of opinion with the church since the, the beginning. We always have and we probably always will. And it's destructive. It tears churches apart. And Paul's saying, resolve it. Fix those things. And I've honestly kind of been waiting anxiously to just emphasize this one verse. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, how true is that? Where is your head if we're focused on what we're eating or drinking or whatever other difference we may have? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is where it's at. Put in anything. Um... Obviously, the kingdom of God is not whatever sin may be a problem. But we're not talking about sin problem here. We're talking about these these opinions. Um, There may be something that you're unsure of. Plug anything in there. If that's distracting you, if that's separating you from your brethren, if that's a problem, well, that's not the kingdom of God. 
It's not these worldly things. Now, if there's some fellowship, and somebody's cooking a brisket, all right, what time? Where at? I'll be there. What? It's not about the brisket. <clears throat> Verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Now, I'm a foodie, but... That phrase seems surreal to me. I mean, I really like food, but how can anyone be so in love with food that they could destroy the work of God for food's sake? It's not in the, in the food. It's in the offense. It says it is evil to eat with offense. And I think this really clarifies how much this subject was coming between the brethren at the church in that day eating as an act of offense. And all I can say about that is, wow. Now, to be fair, I really don't know any Jews. But I do know some Muslims from, from working overseas, and they have um, very restrictive you know, dietary beliefs. And I have to say that it's something I often think about when we're eating together. And I... And I secretly think to myself that I, I want them to try some bacon. And not that I would like try to sneak it in on them and, and trick them into eating it or pressure them. I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but I know, like Paul knew, that all things are indeed pure. And there's so much besides food that they've got wrong anyway that I just want to see their face when they try bacon. I mean, I do. I do. But that... I think would be exactly what's described here, eating with offense. You know, we go, we go out, we eat the traditional Arabic food, and I don't say, can, you know, I want to order a pork chop. Um, I think that is, I think that would be offensive. And that would be evil, eating with offense. Verse 22, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Here again, it's just reaffirming that having faith enough to know that you're not condemned by what you eat, well, that's a blessing. But for anyone who thinks they'd be sinning to eat something, well, it definitely would be sinning to eat it, because they're not acting on their faith. You know, again, take food here and replace it with whatever your conscience is calling into question. <clears throat> And I would say, think about that when you're faced with peer pressure. Speaking of peer pressure, it's time for some peer pressure. Uh, if you think you have a need to come to the front as we stand and sing and offer the invitation, then I would say, do it. I would peer pressure you, do it. But we are offering the invitation. This is the close of the lesson, and if you... If you need to obey the gospel, if you've studied that or if you need help in studying that, we're prepared to deal with that, prepared to help you with whatever you may need, whether it's prayer or anything. We'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected. <laughs>